in high school, I wanted to be on the Supreme Court, and then I realized I didn't want to go to law school, and I think you have to do that to be a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And now it's like, that's the bare minimum, sis. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we talk about feminism and pop culture. I'm Pate. And I'm Nellie. We had another plan for this week's episode, but given the recent passing of a feminist icon, we felt it important to pay homage to her this week by talking about the 2018 CNN film RBG. Directed by Betsy West and Julie Cohen, RBG is an intimate portrait of an unlikely rock star, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Join us as we unpack this amazing documentary that will make you laugh and cry, but let's be honest, right now, it'll mostly just make you cry. While we are paying homage to Justice Ginsburg through unpacking her story on the pod, the best way we can honor her memory is to use our voices to speak out against injustice. Whether that's making sure you're ready to vote come November, signing petitions, donating to campaigns, volunteering virtually or in person, we owe it to Justice Ginsburg, to ourselves, and to those that aren't afforded the same privileges as us to speak out and demand change. I know Friday's news can feel like the cherry on the cake of the shittiest year yet, and it's not really a cherry, but you know what I mean. But... We have a say in what the outcome of November is, and we want that day to come knowing that we did everything we could. Stay tuned for some ways you can honor RBG's memory through action. So let's dive into our convo. Um, I think first it would make sense for us to just talk about like getting the news on Friday and I I know that on our Instagram I, I made a little like question um sticker asking listeners what they were thinking so I could even read some of those if we want to but um Pate do you want to share I feel like I I guess my reason for asking this is I do think this will be one of those moments where at least for me I I I don't want to speak for a bunch of other people but I feel like I'll remember that feeling and where I was and what I was doing for the rest of my life. Um, I have like a few instances like that, like where were you when this happened? And I do think I'll remember like, I think people will remember where were you when RBG died. So where were you? What were you doing? Well, first off, I remember where I was when Michael Jackson died. Yes, that's the other one. I was at a piano recital, not my own. I was at a friend's piano recital when I found that out. And then I remember, I'll always remember, I was in shenanigans with Eddie when I found out that Kobe Bryant died. That will, I'll always remember that. But I'll definitely remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I was in the car with two friends and we were literally at a gas station on the way to a restaurant. And my friend, Julianne, was in the front seat of the car. And she is not very... um politically active like she doesn't know a lot about um pop culture like politics and she was like who's Ruth Bader Ginsburg and I knew when she was asking that I knew because she wouldn't be asking that question if she wasn't on the news and I was like she's on the supreme court 
She's like, she died. And then the other friend getting gas literally said she heard me scream, no, outside. And then we went to the restaurant and they were having this deal where you could get a natty light pink lemonade for a dollar. So I did. And I chugged it because I was chugging alcohol to not cry in public. Um, and so then, yeah, I proceeded to get a little tipsy and just tried to hold my tears until I got home. I was following your, or maybe it wasn't even until the next day when I was clicking through your story, I felt like I was following along the ride. With the Natterdays, I was like, oh no. <laughs> when that's your pregame drink of choice, you know, it's a bad, like something bad happened. It is not good. It was a um, dumb, so. Yeah, Whatever. so I, I was, um, well, you know this, because I had told you, but, like, last week, I was just having, I was in, like, a bit of a funk already, just because I had had kind of a, I don't know, like, I feel like with quarantine and just also, like, the world we're living in, I feel like things, my emotions, like, ebb and flow, and some weeks I have really amazing weeks, but last week was not one of them, even before this happened, I was just feeling, like, especially in terms of, like, I'm really loving my job, but just sometimes I'm feeling overwhelmed. And so that was kind of where I was at already on Friday. And I went to get drinks with um, our friend Helena, um, who's moving to New York. This Well, she'll actually be moving to New York the day that this episode comes out. So shout out Helena. Hope your move's going well. Maybe you're listening. If not, I understand. Um, (laughs) Because you are simply moving to New York. But we were like having a great time, like having... um, and like great drinks and really yummy food and then I wasn't looking at my phone hardly at all but the one time I happened to pick up my phone um as I was looking at it um I subscribed to CNN and NBC News like a bunch of different um news outlets through like the news app on your phone and uh a CNN CNN blast popped up And all I saw, I didn't see her name, but I just saw Supreme Court. And I kind of was like, okay, whatever, like, not whatever, because usually if a Supreme Court notification comes up, it actually is a very big deal. (laughs) But I think I was like, oh, this, that, that's not what this is. And then I like looked up for a second, like was continuing my conversation and then was like, no. And then looked back down at it. And it was like, I realized as I was looking at it, that that's what it was. And that was truly, I, I, I think she died or at least the news blast went out at like 7.37 or something like that. And this was at like 7.41 that I looked, saw it. Like it was like in the moment as it was all happening. And so I then got like a flood of text messages. And I feel like normally when stuff like this happens, I find out through someone else, like similar to you did, but it was like I was getting the news. And I don't know why, but that in itself was... Uh, almost made it more real to me because I was getting it from the news outlet directly, not necessarily from a person. I think if a person had been like, hey, I would have been like, no, that's not true. And on Twitter, because that's my news. That's my news. Honestly, the most reliable news. And I was like, oh my freaking God. So then I start Snapchatting people and I'm like, y'all, RBG. Literally. I don't um, don't even say it. I actually uh yeah and so I was like with Helena and I like looked up and I was like 
and so I actually am one of these people. I don't like. I'm one of the people that I will, before I start to cry, I will laugh because that is how I like will process my emotion, which is probably unsurprising to people listening. Cause as you know, I laugh constantly and it's not always one thing sort of funny. So here I am laughing. Um, and I was just, I w- didn't like look up and like cackle or anything, but I l- looked at Helena and I was like, RBG just, RBG just died. And she was like, what? And then I was like, fuck, we're screwed. And was like laughing, saying like, there goes Roe v. Wade, there goes gay marriage, there goes, um, I don't know, any kind of progress we've made. Um, there goes Planned Parenthood, everything. I was I was literally laughing as I'm saying all of this. So I was like, and she was like, you're not okay. And I was like, no, I'm not okay. And it did really honestly derail our night, um, which um, it's just wild to me. And I, I know we'll talk more about this throughout the episode, but I just think as you said, I think there are these other deaths or moments in history where you're, you will never forget where you were. I know people talk about this when they, I mean, I I don't want to compare any of these instances necessarily, but at least just like the fact that you'll remember where you were when you got those news. I know people talk about this with 9-11. We were too young. We were too young to remember that, but um yeah but alan jackson literally wrote a song called where were you when the world stopped turning and it's about how like right. how everyone realizes they know where they were on 9-11 when they found right it. and i feel like i'll remember where I, again not at all the same thing but i feel like i'll remember exactly where i was when i found out like that our school year was over like this it, during the beginning of the pandemic um And so I just feel like there are certain things like this, but I feel like when it comes to one person's death, I feel like when, when Michael Jackson died, when, when, um, when Kobe died, when Whitney Houston died, even like this past summer, when, when John Lewis died and, and Naya Rivera, I almost said Santana Lopez. But just like all, like when Chadwick. Yeah. I remember where I was. Chadwick Boseman died. Like, while all those things, like especially the ones we've had recently, while those are ma- many of those are instances where we'll probably be like, I remember where I was when I got that news. I feel like the hardest thing about like, when I was experiencing the news of uh, RBG's death was that I was flooded with the fear of what would happen next. And it just sucks because while like we're be- we're able to pay homage to her and 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 think fondly of her and the work she's done in her memory i think i don't know of another i in my lifetime haven't experienced a death of a such a major figure that is going to result in so much turmoil for so many so many people um, and I know that I imagine that again, I, I, I'm comparing the, comparing these people, but I want to recognize that they're very, very different, but I imagine it's a similar feeling to when, um, and also I, I recognize that RBG is often compared to third grade Mar- Marshall, but like, of course she, she says that they're not the same person, um, but they served in similar roles in their, in their positions in justice movements. I imagine people felt similarly when he died. I imagine people felt similarly when um, Martin Luther King Jr. died. But for me, I think just like in our 
in the world we're living in currently, it just, it's, I feel like I'm, we're being numbed to like, just all that is happening, like just sadness and injustice and and everything. Sorry, I'm like rambling, but it's, it's so difficult to process. And it's sad that we can't like, remember her for being an amazing, powerful woman and Supreme Court judge without being in fear for the future. Like we can't just be like, thank you RBG and like watch her documentary and be like, wow, she did so much. But we watch her documentary now and like cry because we are scared of the future because like she had so much pressure on her shoulders to like stay alive for another two months. Like that's insane that she was doing that and was also still so like smart and like such a great representation of female empowerment for American women and women yeah. in here, I guess like yeah and I mean not only that but just also I, I mean I, I I guess we might as well dive into this but I think that something she does so well and that the documentary um kind of hones in on is that she really frames gender inequality uh, and the feminist movement as something that is is going to that affects both genders um and that's why I do think I know that the movie talks about uh and I've been listening to CNN in addition to the RBG movie did um a podcast in 2018 called RBG Beyond Notorious and they talk about this more actually I'm just now getting to the episode where they're interviewing um Weisenfeld but essentially in the documentary it highlights the case Weisenfeld Weinberger v. Weisenfeld, where she argued on behalf of a widower who wasn't allowed to collect Social Security after his wife died, and he was essentially, of course, the um, the main, both the main caretaker and now provider for his son. Um, and I read in an article titled "15 Amazing Facts About Ruth Bader Ginsburg" by Beth Ann Macaluso where she commented on RBG's tendency to take that the take cases that seemingly benefited men. She said, quote, for Ginsburg, the gender of her plaintiff didn't matter. What really mattered was whether or not each case could potentially overturn laws restricting women's and men's roles. And to me, I just feel like this strategy kind of amongst some of the others that the documentary explores really contributed to Ruth's success as a lawyer. And I feel like it's something that I feel like this along with just her, her ability to not show her anger in her argument are just qualities that I think were integral to her success. And also just things that I admire because I think Ruth really reclaims what it means to be a lady and, and, and uses the typically ladylike qualities to her advantage and to gain her success so I don't know that was something I was thinking about in terms of the impact she had yeah I'm just thinking about they played like a specific recording when she was um arguing in front of the supreme court when she was a lawyer and one of the judges or justices was like so you're not you won't just be happy if we put Susan B. Anthony on the ten dollar bill and it's like that is so like messed up that you would 
I even use that joke, but also you're a Supreme Court justice in the middle of a trial, and you think that's appropriate to say. And she, like, did not get mad. She did not raise her voice. And, you know, like you just said, I think that really shows how powerful she is and how she doesn't have to raise her voice to be a advocate. I, I need to learn from that. I think that is one of my goals now as I get older you know, in high school, when I would argue with my brothers about politics, um, we would both raise our voices and get really into it because we were passionate about what we were talking about. But then you realize, like, recently, my dad and I got in an argument about defunding the police. And I was like, calmly trying to explain to him, you know, oh, well, it's not fair for um, all the law enforcement to have this huge role if we divide it up evenly and like put our resources evenly, then, you know, we could see more success when it and like lower crime. And I was trying to explain to him, you know, he is a born and raised Republican. And he was not listening to me. He was the one raising his voice. He was saying, like, using arguments that he had heard on Fox News, and I was trying to be like, no, that's not true, and, like, I'm your daughter, I'm a Democrat, and you're not listening to what I'm saying, and, you know, I, he, he ended up apologizing for it, and I really appreciated that, but I think that just really resonated with me and showed me that, like, when you are able to argue your point and not have to yell and can speak very like eloquently, but also like try to relate to the person you're talking to. Oftentimes you will have a better um, response from that. And I think RBG did that too. We saw her, she had to, she had to explain to these grown men how it, her life, how she had to live her life and inequality. And yeah. I think that is just so powerful and I respect her so much and she's so cute. I wish she could I be. know. I mean, I, I love, lo- I love both my grandmoms and I would not want a different grandma, but if I could have a third. <laughs> I love actually kind of similar to what you're just saying, Kate. I love when she was like, sometimes I feel like I'm a kindergartner, <laughs> kindergarten teacher. Um, with the ways in which she's how I feel when I talk to men all the time (laughs) I think that's a good point too just because I think if you're a good kindergarten teacher you're not raising your voice and getting angry or you're not and and just kind of going back to what we were saying earlier you're not going to get anywhere in an argument if you're showing aggression and I think that definitely like anger we've talked about this actually on the podcast probably a ways back but like Anger and aggression are definitely things that women should be able to claim and and have ownership of because I think they are definitely male qualities. But I also think it kind of goes into things we've talked about before and ways in which we have to play into the patriarchy in order to dismantle it. And I think that that's something she did well. Um, And this kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. There's that quote that happened right um, at the beginning of the of the film where she's talking about her mother so fondly and says the best advice she ever gave her was to be a lady and be independent which is also the advice that she gives her children and her grandchildren and basically by that she says don't allow yourself to 
to be overcome by useless emotions like anger. And that's kind of the supposedly the lady component. And then it's, it would be fine. And then also by independence, she's meaning it would be fine if you meet Prince Charming and fall happily ever after, but be able to fend for yourself. And I think this isn't ever necessarily said, but the way I interpreted this is how being a lady and being independent can, I think RBG has paved the way for those two things to be one and the same. And so um, for that, for the, for it to be possible for those to mean the same thing, I guess. And so um, you can be both a lady and be independent um, and kind of how we can read. I don't even really like the word lady. (laughs) But how we can continue to define and redefine what womanhood um, looks like and and qualities that women possess. But I also think this typically feminine quality of um, showing restraint and poise when it comes to an argument is how we can, like you said, like I said, um, use the patriarchy in order to dismantle it. And that's something that she did well. And it's a quality that truthfully I admire because um, as you know, I can get fired up pretty easily. Well, but I, I just wanted to, I feel like while we're talking about anger and whatnot and things like that and being able to, I don't know, I think that relates to being able to put your beliefs aside for the sake of um, friendship. So I think it actually would be worthwhile to talk a little bit about her friendship with Justice Scalia. And this is, an, and I think it's just kind of in the same vein of what we're talking about, because for me, it's another thing that I really admire, especially, um, and something I think I've worked at, but always have areas of growth is just maintaining relationships with folks who have different opinion, differing opinions from me. Um, it was something I was truly horrible at um, in pretty much all of my <laughs> adolescence and young adult life, and I'm now kind of aware of, but essentially... Um, that same article that I quoted before, it said, quote, despite their opposing ideologies, Ginsburg and Scalia possessed an intense mutual respect for one another, a deep respect for the court's role, and perhaps most importantly, both recognized that they made the other better. And I love how the film highlights just their like deep love for each other um, and how they're able to kind of put things aside. Um, and even kind of joke about their differing opinions. And also to the podcast that I referenced earlier, um, Beyond Notorious, actually kind of delves more into this and talks about how they they used to have like New Year's parties together with their spouses. And like they went on all sorts of vacations together and their families were quite close and I think are still very close there. I think from what I gathered, their children and grandchildren are still um good family friends. And I just think that it really is so admirable. And I know that right now we're talking about the importance of like having tough conversations with people you love. Um, And I think that that is still important. Like we shouldn't completely put things aside for the sake of relationships. But I also think to me, many people in Washington could take a page from each of their books and be able to have relationships with, with, their colleagues that are also their kind of biggest adversaries. I mean, I totally agree with you. If anyone knows me and listens to the podcast, you know, I have dated a Republican. My father is a Republican. My older brother, younger brother are Republicans. My mom, 
who knows what she is. She's not a Republican. <laughs> she is not a Democrat. Um, so, and that's not me saying, look at me. I am friends with everyone. I love everyone. No, like I've gotten in screaming matches with everyone that I've just listed. Like, um, it's hard. It's hard. Right. But I think when I look at RBG and Scalia, that is what I want to have one day and be able to love people like that. Not to bring up my religion, but why not? Like, as a Christian, I feel like you should love people like that. Everyone, like vice versa, whatever, like your denomination, or even if you're just like a good human and believe in like human decency, religious or not, like we should look to their friendship and like strive to love people that way. And in my senior year of high school, I took AP Gov, AP government, and my AP government teacher loved RBG and Scalia's friendship and would tell us all about them. And, you know, she, she just loved government for the sake of government, just like how people love the, you know, they love the constitution and they love law. She loved all of it. So being able to witness a liberal and conservative justice be friends was just like perfect in her eyes. And the, I found this so interesting because we were looking one day at like different cases that the Supreme Court had covered. And I found this one case that um, RBG and Scalia agreed on, which like, I'm sure there's plenty of them. There's so many cases they probably see. But this one in particular, um, the police or like the drug administration, I don't know what it's called. What's it called? Like DEA, DIA, whatever. The FDA? Yeah, the FDA. Wait, I <laughs> Actually, I don't think it's the FDA. Anyways, the police, like, basically thought this drug dealer who sold marijuana had a bunch of marijuana in his house, so they used heat sensor detectors and saw that he had a bunch of heat lamps in his house. So then that, they said that was grounds for a warrant and went in and arrested him. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and both Justice Ginsburg and Scalia said that was an invasion of privacy. And I just thought that was so interesting because they're so opposite, but they both agree on the basis of privacy and that police shouldn't be using heat detectors to look into your house and see if you're selling marijuana, which should be legal, A. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, that was me like being, that's like the one thing I remember from that class. But I just thought that was really interesting. And I like being able to see how the different justices react on different cases and how like liberal ones can agree with conservatives on random ones about like privacy and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about Marty? You okay. mean my dream man? Literally my dream man. I was thinking about this today because I was listening to the podcast that I keep referencing and I was on my little midday walk because if I don't go on a walk like three times a day, I'll lose my mind because I don't, interact with people all day but I was literally like wow does a man out there exist that like like Marty for me like I want I literally am obsessed with him um I also really do think I need to be with a Marty because I need someone that's gonna lift me up and be okay with me being more successful than him because I just kind of everyone needs that like I feel like that is a healthy relationship like bare minimum I'm sorry the fact that we have to ask for mutual respect bullshit sorry yeah, I love that quote from 
um, that they say in the in the movie where I think some news reporter had interviewed Jane when she was fairly young, their daughter, and she said, quote, her father did the cooking and her mother did the thinking. And I, um, and Marty quotes this, and I just think it's like, <laughs> I just love that. I literally was like, that's amazing. And I think they really did have, and they talked about this in the movie, but they really had, like you said, an, an equal, an equal partnership. I also um, love that he networked her into the Supreme Court. Goals. Literally. If you can network me into the Supreme Court, hit me up. Literally. Just kidding. I'll go to law school first. <laughs> Before the podcast, I was like, in high school, I wanted to be on the Supreme Court. And then I realized I didn't want to go to law school. And I think you have to do that to be a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And now I'm like, that's the bare minimum, sis. <laughs> You can do a lot of other things without a law degree, though. Just ask Donald Trump. Oof. Just kidding. I'm not sorry. Um, but yeah, their love was so sweet. And I also, this is something that I have been thinking about. I think in today's culture, sometimes we um, associate strong feminist women with being like single or not having a male partner. And I think. Ruth and Marty's relationship shows that like you can still be an empowered strong woman and have a husband who loves you and won't drag you down and like that should be even more empowering like I didn't want to bring this up because I don't want to say this in the same sentence as Ruth Bader Ginsburg but the podcast call her daddy they are promoting a toxic culture of relationships where women should reflect the toxic nature that men have been doing, especially in like college relationships, like ghosting you, not talking to you, hiding your feelings, like just straight up being rude. And I feel like that has really been boosted and been like, oh, I'm a boss bitch. Like, I don't need to call him back. Like, I don't need to respect his feelings. And that's just like, not cool. Like, we should respect people's feelings. And like, we give men flack for like, you know, not being open and honest with their feelings. And so we shouldn't reflect that and then call it empowering. Everyone should just be open and honest about their feelings support each other, respect each other in a relationship. And then I think that would be the most ideal and healthy relationship. I don't know if that made sense. If it doesn't, take it all out. No, I think it makes sense. And I think that like, I think it shows that like, if you want to, if you want to be single and be independent in terms of the fact that you are not connected or committed to another person, like that's fine. And women should be empowered to do so. But also like if, they want kind of the more traditional well not I don't want to use the word traditional because you know what I mean I don't mean traditional in terms of like traditional families and like sexual orientation inclusivity if they want to commit themselves to another person um not necessarily traditional marriage I do not like that terminology but like if they're if they're wanting to bind themselves to another person um I guess they should they should not settle for any less than a partnership like this where the two are um 
particularly in the case of a relationship with a man and a woman, um, I think Marty recognized that like he could be successful also in order for his wife to have success. Like he had to make some sacrifices and he wanted to do that. But also like they talks about this in, in the film and in the podcast, but he was like the most, um, he was like known as like the best tax, tax attorney in New York city. So he was not sure. He didn't have any shortness of greatness or success, right. but I also think that he was happy to play kind of, um, at times sidekick to Ruth and was eager to be doing that. And I think that women and, and just, I don't know, people in general shouldn't settle for any less than someone that is willing to do that for them. Um, provided that is like a healthy and equal partnership. And I think that, I mean, it's very clear. It's not like, it's not like Marty is doing everything for Ruth and that he's fully self-sacrificing for her. I mean, she, basically single-handedly got the two of them through law school and raised their child um Mm -hmm. during that time and while also caring for marty when he was sick so i think to me it's very much give and take there were certainly times in there are just different times in their relationships where they were having to pull different amounts of weight and i think that being able to i mean it, it says this in the documentary but she learned to really burn the candle at both ends and i think she also was able to not only prioritize because this is something she wanted, not because she should have felt like she had to, but she also like did at times prioritize being a mother, even if that wasn't in the most conventional sense of the term. Um, It's not like she was the cook or the cleaner (laughs) as Jane points out, but, um, and Marty was like a very, very much like a, I think by the end of his life, I know there's like a cookbook of his in the um now still in the oh, supreme court cookbook yeah there's a supreme like in the um library at, at the supreme court library not library bookstore sorry i don't know why i couldn't pull up that word um but you he was like a, basically a like renowned chef by by the by that point um by his death in 2010 and so I love him I I feel like with them it's not even so much like it is very much bending the bending the norms of of gender roles but also being able to honor your partner's passions Mm -hmm. and and lift them up and and whether that whether that is like being conventionally <laughs> a mother or father or husband or wife or or unconventionally i think that one thing i love too because they talked about this one kind of talking about their love story but how um they met at cornell but ruth's first semester at cornell she never had a repeat date i know i said this to you when i was watching it because i was just like oh my god queen <laughs> And I just like, I love when these like pockets of humor really like came out for her in the film, just because I think that her children talk about it too, but just how she's not gonna, and, and her, her friend talks about this as well, like how there's no small talk. Um, and, and she didn't ever watch TV or things like that. So I think a lot of stuff was very much like by the book kind of, um, business oriented um trying to get things done but I loved just kind of the moments in the film where you saw her personality come out and you could also definitely see that like you said through her relationship with Marty through her friendship with Scalia 
um, through her, I mean, her dynamic with her granddaughter is just so beautiful. And um, oh, yeah, I don't I know. Love- I just love her. This documentary, the first time I watched it, I was on a plane and I cried on the plane. Um, Nelly also really watches Cars 3 or something. <laughs> when I watched Cheetah Girls, we talked about this. When we watched Cheetah Girls, I cried. Um, I cry very easily, but, um, and I know I cried when I watched the the movie on the basis of sex, um, which I recommend to, I, I, I think we decided to talk about this just because of RBG's presence in it. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely, maybe another time we'll unpack on the basis of sex, but I do think, um, I don't know, it's such a special film and she's a special woman and I'm sad that she's gone but I also like even though I obviously like we said I feel like the world is in such in particular like the United States is in such tor- turmoil right now and there's so much um uncertainty I do feel like an element of peace knowing that like she is at rest just because I feel like she really did work her entire life <laughs> I mean I really feel like the moment but like up like I mean, she went to Cornell, she went to Harvard Law and Columbia Law, like, she was busting her ass at a very young age, up until she died. So I do, even though it's like, her death means a lot of really scary things. I also am, I'm glad she's reunited with Marty and glad she's reunited with Scalia. And I don't know. I, I in a weird way, I am, do, am at peace with her death also. Well, I saw a tweet that said, RBG and John Lewis spent their golden age fighting for us. So now it's like our turn to make sure that they didn't die in vain. And that was just really powerful thinking about like these two individuals who I know they don't know me personally, but still they were fighting like for my future. They were fighting for our generation. And yeah, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like lived her life to fight for justice and to fight for the law and to make and for her to interpret it as she saw fit up until the day she died I mean I know that is you know part of being a supreme court justice it's either until death or until you uh, step down and for most of the justices recently it's been until they die yeah and so uh, she just, you know, meant a lot for me. I know she meant a lot for women everywhere. Um, but I just remember, like, learning about her in high school and thinking she's the cool- she was, like, the coolest thing and, like, realizing her thoughts kind of reflected my thoughts and um, that like I realized I had a new role model once I learned about her because I just, I am fascinated by politics. You know, I think you and I probably think that all young people know a lot about politics, but when I had found out about Ruth Gator, Gator, oh my God, that's not her name. When I found out that she had died, I was around people and I was telling them and someone was like, okay, well, like, what does this mean? And I'm like, do you not know about the Supreme court and like what you all have to like go through? And, and that wasn't me trying to like shame people. I mean, like, yes, as a citizen of the United States, I think you should know the basics about how our countries run, but also like it just fascinated me in high school. So I know probably more about 
you know, the three branches of government than others. And like, so all to say, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was such an inspiration for me and lots of people everywhere. And not only was she like a great judge, but she also just like seems like such a great person from her documentary, like a person that you would want to spend time with. She seemed like she loves all people and like even Republicans, which I know we already talked about, but like, it's so hard. She does hate Trump. She does hate Trump though. (laughs) And I agree. Uh, hot take I don't think Trump's a Republican like if you're a true Republican I think you would call Trump out on his BS and maybe that's me giving the Republican Party a benefit of the doubt but I know certain Republicans that think that Trump doesn't stand for their party's views is there anything else that we want to talk about um I think I've said everything I think she is a Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a bad bitch with the best callers in the Supreme Court. Do you want to add anything? Um, I think... Wait, actually, yeah. you think what I just said out, if that was offensive, me calling her a bad bitch. I don't think it's offensive. She was. That's, she was a bad bitch. No, no, no. I think I'm just... I, I agree. I don't really have... Um, the. I don't really have more to say than what I've already said. I think just... I hope that she is at peace and that her family is dealing well i i honestly can't imagine mourning the loss of someone um close to me at such a public level <laughs> and 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 like i said when when the result means more than loss it it or or when the loss itself is more than death i guess so i guess in just I'm trying my best to be hopeful um, that things will be okay, but it's it's truthfully hard to do so, but I think it's all we can do right now. So on that note, why don't we dive into our action items um, and then we'll, we'll share some quotes and we'll be on our way. Do you want to go first, Pete? Yeah, so um, I know I told people this a few weeks ago but I just want to remind especially my Alabama listeners to donate to Doug Jones's Senate campaign um, or volunteer if you can. He is running for re-election against a Auburn football coach who knows nothing about politics. So um Yes, if you're from Alabama, please vote. If you're not from Alabama, please donate. And then also, um, if you're feeling very generous, you can donate to Amy McGrath's campaign. She's running against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky, and he just needs to get out. He looks like a chicken. He's canceled. And then also Jamie Harrison who's running against Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. Um, Both Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham in 2016 uh, said that it would be inappropriate for Obama to appoint someone as he was, as it was 200 days to an election. But here we are like 45 days to an election and they are going back on their words. And, you know, I know it's all politics, but at the end of the day, we need to have some integrity and these men are not sticking to that. So please vote them out or donate to their opposite campaigns. 
Yeah, no, on um, Saturday morning, I woke up still in despair from the news on Friday and I put on my Snapchat story, maybe you saw this, but I was like, anyone trying to assassinate Mitch McConnell with me? And I was like, to my FBI agent, I'm only kind of kidding. But truthfully, so many people were like, "Mm -hmm, yep, I got a plan. See you there. So I'm really hoping that we don't... I hate Mitch McConnell, but I don't hate him enough to ruin my life. By yeah, exactly. Him. Yeah. Um, FBI agents, if you're listening. I might hate him that much. I'm not kidding. But also, I just hope that we can unseat him by voting Amy McGrath. Obviously, I simply do not live in Kentucky. But um, if you have a vote there, please vote for fucking Amy McGrath, a queen. Um, okay, so on a similar note, um, in terms of the of uh, Mitch and Lindsay trying to um, hold a confirmation hearing for Trump's Supreme Court pick as soon as possible, um, one thing you can do to take action against this is sign a petition to encourage the Senate not to confirm Trump's pick until November. Um, there is a petition on moveon.org. Um, if you go to I mean, I guess the best advice to have is just to Google it. We can share this in our on our Instagram, but basically, um, it's the it's on moveon.org and it is titled "Do Not Fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Supreme Court Seat Until After the 2021 Inauguration." So, um, go sign that. As her dying wish was to not have her seat be filled until there was um, a new president. So keep that in mind. Also, um, you can, I know I mentioned this earlier with ways to be involved, but you can volunteer virtually with a legal aid clinic for women. Um, So before she was a Supreme Court justice, Ginsburg led the American Civil Liberties Union's Women's Rights Project. And even after, after her confirmation, she supported legal aid organizations around the country. If you have some spare time or change, give it in her name. Um, and then you can also volunteer. Yeah, so all of this is on a Bustle article <laughs> titled Ways to Honor um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And we'll be sure to include all of those in the description of this episode. So yeah, please honor her memory and continue to stay active, even though it can feel really grim um, right now. So before we go, we're going to share some kind of major takeaways and quotes from the movie. So we can go through them. Um, I said this one earlier, but I think it's an important one to rename and think about is, um, quote, be a lady and be independent. And then also the kind of in, in the same vein, the advice that her granddaughter, I believe her name's Clara, um, says, she says, the, quote, the way to win an argument is not to yell because often that will turn people away instead of bringing them to your table. Um, and then another one I want to share is the one she uses in one of her um, arguments, I believe, from Sarah Greenpeace, um, was all I ask of our brethren is that they'll take their feet off of our necks. And I think that is iconic. And um, Pete, you want to share the others? Yeah, so um, one of my favorite quotes from Ruth Bader Ginsburg is when she's asked, um, how many women on the Supreme Court would you need to have enough in your eyes? And she says, when there are nine, because at a certain point there were nine men and no one 
um, raised a question about that. And um, I keep bringing up high school, but my senior year, I wore a t-shirt on International Women's Day that said, a woman's place is in the House and the Senate. And I posted an Instagram with that quote by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And the entire baseball team commented, yeah, but not in the White House, and up arrowed it. And, um, you know, that didn't, that didn't scare me. That didn't, you know, change. Like, I didn't delete that. It was just, like, stupid boys being insecure about an empowered woman. And so that quote has always resonated with me because of that. And, you know, we need more women in the House. We need more women in the Senate. And it would be fine with me if there was a woman in the Oval. Yeah, the final quote is, I will do this job as long as I can do it full steam. And I think we can both agree she did that. And she did it with pride and made women everywhere extremely proud. We love our queen. May she rest in peace and may her memory be a blessing. With that being said, we're going to include kind of, um, we're going to have a moment of silence for RBG. Um, I think it should be a moment of reflection to think about the impact that she had, as well as a moment of action to think about the ways in which we can honor her memory. So with that being said, we'll have a moment of silence now. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. This has been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. See you next week. Bye. Bye.